Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy pardon me, of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at top for the original edition, you will see the link to read A-C-I-M-O-E. <clears throat> On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email, also sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. <coughs> okay, and uh, today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation with Section 6, The Meaning of the Last Judgment. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of the lesson for the day, which is Lesson 25. I do not know what anything is for. And thank you, Donna, for volunteering to do that today. Okay. Lori, do you have an opening? I do. I do have one, and I found this a long time ago and saved it uh, for today in light of today's reading. That's a little thought from Moji that goes like this. The purpose of everyone's life is to become a door through which the Supreme can somehow find expression in this form. He is inside already, but seemingly hidden by what becomes our first choice, second choice, or whatever our preferences are, desires, attachment. They create veils over the Supreme. When we are undressed of our own identity, He alone shines in this body. This is the Capital One purpose of everyone's life is to become a door. Amen. That was lovely. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Oh, that's like another lead. Yeah, Lori. That was amazing. You are oh, that privilege. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as we are. Yes, yeah. indeed. Thanks, yeah. Price. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I missed it. One more time. <laughs> Good morning, it's Jude. I'll be listening. Thank you.
All right, good morning, Judy. And uh, I'll just review the reading list as I, as I have it right here. I have uh, Lori, Diana, Robin Marie, Donna, and Karen on the reading list. And listening, I have Kristen, Ida, Harrison, Judy, and uh, so Bryce, I'll put you on listening unless you want to tell me you're on the reading list. And uh, anyone else who would like to announce or, or uh, change their list position or just say good morning. I'd like to have an option. If you'll tell me the paragraph ahead of time, I'll try to get it ready. <laughs> this is Bryce. Okay. Um, all right, 111. <laughs> Maybe 110, 111. All right, who am I after? I'll wake up by then. Okay. Okay. Is there anyone else who's joined us who'd like to say good morning? And or join the reading list? Okay. I'll get us rolling into the reading then with uh, Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation, Section 6, The Meaning of the Last Judgment. Okay, paragraph 106. The Last Judgment is one of the greatest threat concepts in man's perception. This is only because he does not understand it. Judgment is not an essential attribute of God. Man brought judgment into being only because of the separation. After the separation, however, (coughs) there was a place for judgment as one of the many learning devices which had to be built into the overall plan. Just as the separation occurred over many millions of years, the last judgment will extend over a similarly long period and perhaps an even longer one. Its length depends, however, on the effectiveness of the present speed-up. And Laurie. Okay, Uh, chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation, section 6, The Meaning of the Last Judgment. The last judgment is one of the greatest threat concepts in man's perception. This is only because he does not understand it. Judgment is not an essential attribute of God. Man brought judgment into being only because of the separation. After the separation, however, there was a place for judgment as one of the many learning devices 
which had to be built into the overall plan. Just as the separation occurred over many billions of years, the last judgment will extend over a similarly long period, and perhaps an even longer one. Its length depends, however, on the effectiveness of the present speed-up. 107. We have frequently noted that the miracle is advised for shortening, but not abolishing time. If a sufficient number of people become truly miracle-minded quickly, the shortening process can be almost immeasurable. It is essential, however, that these individuals free themselves from fear sooner than would ordinarily be the case, because they must emerge from the conflict if they are to bring peace to other minds. Thank you, Lori. And Diana? 107. We have frequently noted that the miracle is the device of shortening, but not abolishing time. If a sufficient number of people became truly miracle-minded quickly, the shortening process can be almost immeasurable. It is essential, however, that these individuals free themselves from fear sooner than would ordinarily be the case because they must emerge from the conflict if they are to bring peace to other minds. 108. The last judgment is generally thought of as a procedure undertaken by God. Actually, it will be undertaken by man with my help. It is the final dealing, rather than a netting out of punishment. However, much man may think that punishment is deserved. Punishment is a concept in total opposition to right-mindedness. The aim of the last judgment is to restore right-mindedness to man. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And Robin Marie. <clears throat> 108. The last judgment is generally thought of as a procedure undertaken by God. Actually, it will be undertaken by man with my help. It is a final healing rather than a meeting out of punishment. However much man may think that punishment is deserved. Punishment is a concept in total opposition to right-mindedness. The aim of the last judgment is to restore right-mindedness to man. 109. The last judgment might be called a process of right evaluation. It simply means that finally all men will come to understand what is worthy, and what is not. After this, their ability to choose can be directed reasonably. Until this distinction is made, however, the vacillations between free and imprisoned will cannot but continue. The first step toward freedom must entail a sorting out of the false from the true. This is a process of division only in the constructive sense and reflects the true meaning of the 
apocalypse. Man will ultimately look upon his own creations and will to, and will to preserve only what is good, just as God himself looked upon what he had created and knew that it was good. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Donna. Sorry. 109. The last judgment might be called the process of right evaluation. It simply means that finally all men will come to understand what is worthy and what is not. After this, their ability to choose can be directed reasonably. Until this distinction is made, however, the vacillation between free and imprisoned will cannot but continue. The first step toward freedom must entail a sorting out of the false from the true. This is a process of division, only in a constructive sense and reflects the meaning of the apocalypse. Man will ultimately look upon his own creations and will to preserve only what is good, just as God himself looked upon what he had created and knew that it was good. One ten. At this point, the will... At this point, the will can be looked. At this point, the will can begin to look with love on its own creations because of their great worthiness. The mind will inevitably disavow or disown its miscreations, which, without the mind's belief, will no longer exist. The term last judgment is frightening not only because it has been falsely projected onto God, but also because of the association of the, quote, last, end quote, with death. This is an, over, this is an outstanding example of upside-down perception. Actually, if the meaning of the last judgment is objectively examined, it is quite apparent that it is really the doorway to life. Thank you, Donna. And Karen? 110. At this point, the will can begin to look with love on its own creations because of their great worthiness. The mind will inevitably disown its miscreations, which, without the mind's belief, will no longer exist. The term, quote-unquote, last judgment, is frightening not only because it has been falsely projected onto God, but also because of the association of, quote, unquote, last with death. 
This is an outstanding example of upside-down perception. Actually, if the meaning of the last judgment is objectively examined, it is quite apparent that it is really the doorway to life. 111. No one who lives in fear is really alive. His own last judgment cannot be directed toward himself because he is not his own creation. He can, however, apply it meaningfully and at any time to everything he has created and retain in his memory only what is good. This is what his right-mindedness cannot but dictate. The purpose of time is solely to, quote, give him time, unquote, to achieve this judgment. It is his own perfect judgment of his own creations. When everything he retains is lovable, there is no reason for fear to remain with him. This is his part in the atonement. Thank you, Karen. And Bright. Eleven. No one who lives in fear is really alive. Oh, do I have to start with that one? His own last judgment cannot be directed toward himself because he is not his own creation. He can, however, apply it meaningfully and at any time to everything he has created and retain in his memory only what is good. This is what his right-mindedness cannot but dictate. The purpose of time is solely to, quote, give him time, unquote, to achieve this judgment It is his own perfect judgment of his own creations. When everything he retains is lovable, there is no reason for fear to remain with him. This is his part in the atonement. Thank you, Bryce. And, uh, yeah. Let me try a thumb right here. As short, uh, a short section directed at the meaning of the last judgment. And, uh, it basically tries to turn at least my own thinking about the way the last judgment presented to me. I I believed in it and turned it pretty much inside out and upside down. Now, we see the last judgment as one of the greatest threat concepts in our perception. But yet judgment is not an essential attribute of God. 
we brought judgment into being only because of the separation. Separation from God. Okay. After the separation, though, there was a place for judgment as one of the many learning devices which had to be built into the overall plan. And the last judgment is not a specific place in time, but the last judgment will extend over a long period, and <clears throat> its length depends, however, on the effectiveness of this present speed-up in curriculum. The last judgment is thought of as a procedure undertaken by God. Actually, it will be undertaken by man with Christ's help. It is a final healing rather than a meeting out of punishment. Punishment is a concept in total opposition to right-mindedness. The aim of the last judgment is to restore right-mindedness to man. The last judgment might be called the process of right evaluation. It simply means that finally all men will come to understand what is worthy and what is not. The first step toward freedom must entail a sorting out of the false from the true. Uh, this is a process of division only in the constructive sense and reflects the true meaning of the apocalypse. The lifting of the veil. Man will ultimately look upon his own creations and will to preserve only what is good just as God himself looked upon what he had created and knew that it was good. At this point of the sorting out, the will can begin to look with love on its own creation because of their great worthiness the mind will inevitably disown its miscreation, which, without the mind's belief, will no longer exist. The term last judgment is frightening, not only because it has been, been falsely projected onto God, but also because of the association of last with death. This is an outstanding example of upside-down perception. Actually, if the meaning of the last judgment is objectively examined, it is quite apparent that it is really the doorway to life. No one who lives in fear is really alive. Our own last judgment cannot be directed toward ourselves because it, we are not our own creation. We can, however, apply it meaningfully and at any time to everything we have created, individually or collectively, and retain in our memory only what is good. This is what 
right-mindedness cannot but dictate. The purpose of time is solely to give us time to achieve this judgment. It is our own perfect judgment of our own creation. When everything we retain is lovable, there is no reason for fear to remain with us. This is our part in the atonement. I want to read uh, just the last paragraph of the section, What is the Last Judgment? Um, this is, in, I believe it's in front of Lesson 310 in the workbook. Section 10 of the Part 2 of the workbook. And uh, the last paragraph is says this. <coughs> this is God's final judgment. You are still my holy son, forever innocent, forever loving, and forever loved, as limitless as your creator, and completely changeless and forever pure. Therefore, awaken and return to me. I am your father, and you are my son. I think, uh, you know, rather than a specific event that happens after the apocalypse, the final judgment is already there. Even God's final judgment is already there and everywhere. And, you know, the apocalypse is the process of beginning to see that and not our own creation. And I'm complete there. Thank you, Lemoyne. And the floor is open. Beautifully done, Lemoyne. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne, and thank you for reading. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for facilitating bringing us all together. And um, thinking about judgment, a couple things, ideas from the text came to my mind. That um, judgment, that the first line, um, that the last judgment is one of the greatest threat concepts in man's perception. And, you know, I was was, um, born and bred in the Roman Catholic Church, going to, to Mass every day before school. And um, Saturdays and Sundays, too. I mean, I was tutored by nuns, very small school. And, you know, I, I kept it clean. Of course, I was only there until the sixth grade, but <laughs> I didn't want any little black spots on my soul. And I kept it really holy. I was really a holy little child. And... Um, just genuinely appreciate and honor what that means to me and, and the real perception of who I am today. But the, um, the th- 
threat, the idea of threat, greatest threat, that God's going to judge me and make me go to hell if, if, I'm, if I'm evil, for I'm bad. And, um, you know, ergo, looking at the way that people operate in the world, it's no wonder they might, might think of it as the greatest threat. But judgment, using judgment as, um, you know, that the judgment is only a threat to me. Either people judging me or even God judging me is, and well, mostly people. People judging me is is an effort to control reality here in the world. And you know, as far as the world goes, I don't really think or care much about what people think think about me. I care and love for love people, and I, and I care and I love the fact that they love me. But the um, what they think about me doesn't seem to come up very much. <laughs> Whereas when I was in my ego mind, it really came up a lot and all the time, pretty consistently. So I'm just grateful for that awareness of change within my, um, my perspective, um, my perspective on the world, my perspective on myself, and my perspective on reality that, um, you know, how... How um, it's not an attribute in God that God does not judge. He's given us free will, and the free the will is free to create the good, the loving, and the beautiful. And you know the recognition, you know, and coming around through the study and practice of the course, that I recognize that will is my will. And that, that is what makes me truly happy. Um, and so um, I remember the first time I read the Course and seeing the last line in this reading, what is my part in the, uh, in the atonement, that everything that I retain is lovable and there is no fear to remain with me. I don't look at look in fear on what I do and judge it as being other than quiet and still or, or loving and, and helpful and, try, and trying to be mindful of what I say and, um, or what I think, that honesty, that honesty that comes from the trust, trusting God that comes from... Um, totally relying and depending upon God, Holy Spirit as my guide, and that I can, that I can. I can be still and do absolutely nothing, or I can come from a place where I know I'm being truly helpful. And this is my part, my part in the plan. Um, I'm going to stop there. I'm rolling to a stillness right into being still. Thank you. I love you, and I hope you have a joyful day. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. That was beautiful. Yes, it was. Thank you. This is Donna. Uh, I woke up at 7.27 this morning, and it Pop, the idea came into my mind to go to Mass, and I did that. So 
I wasn't going to bring this up, but since uh, Judy mentioned the Catholic Church, and the uh, father who did the homily, I had asked him once, have you ever heard of The Course in Miracles? And he said, oh, yes. He said, I do. And I think maybe he's reading the lesson where we are. <clears throat> because as I heard the lesson, I thought, oh, my God, that's Father, Father Walter was talking about this. And he was saying uh, that the word is life. And I'm always quoting the uh, uh, Psalms, the word is life, a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And it was it occurs to me that the word is the light of the mind and the heart. And if the light isn't on, if it isn't lit, that's how we um, get get uh, how we remain on the wrong road, so to speak. And he also uh, uh, talked talked about the word as being a sword. And he um, he actually. Um, read from Hebrews, which I'm not familiar with, chapter 4, verse 12, where it said, the word, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than to any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And I thought, that, that's what we were reading this is what the instructions Jesus is giving us today about separating what really is from what really isn't. And um, so that's basically all the last judgment is, is separating out the, separating out the garbage from our true identity. And, and also in, uh, in uh, paragraph 109, uh, Jesus is quoting uh, Genesis, he had created and knew that it was good. And in Genesis, God says it is good six times. And then when he looked around and he's finished, he said, it is very good. So if we had his word on that, I just, I just think uh, the word is life. And if we take this course of miracles as literally the word of God, which every day I'm seeing, I see more and more and more, Oh my God! When when we wake up, he's going to give us this little book, which is about uh, five pages long. And this, all the religious readings and spiritual readings, are going to be translated back into the Word of God, and we'll see how few words God had to use for us to uh, re-edit and uh, republish for thousands of years. I'm complete. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. What a great word. What a good word, Donna. Thank you. You too, Jude. Thank you. Rightly dividing truth from error. About all I got. Incomplete. Thanks, everybody.
um, carrots and uh, <clears throat> this discussion of the last judgment or final judgment um, has been helpful in separating me from what I learned growing up in the fundamentalist church. The last judgment uh, was a very fearful thing. Um, if I didn't uh, live the right way, then ultimately what was going to happen is once I died, uh, and uh, at some point God was going to uh, come down and separate the sheep from the goat, the good from the bad, and therefore I had better live a, uh, a saintly life if I wanted to be judged um, rightly or in a good way by God. And that's a very fearful way to live your life. And I'm so pleased to learn that that's not what the last judgment is about at all. The last judgment, as he says here, simply means that finally all minds must come to understand what is worthy and what is not. Is that fearful? Of course not. It's after this, their ability to choose can be reasonably directed. Unless this, I'm reading from the annotated version, unless this distinction has been made, the vacillations between free and imprisoned world. Oh, the vacillation between free and imprisoned will cannot but continue. So if I want to free myself from the imprisoned well, what I learned about the last judgment or the final judgment, if I want to live a life of peace, joy, love, and happiness, then I have to change my thinking about this idea of judgment and recognize that God did not mean that he was going to judge me 
and that I do not have to judge myself. That's not his expectation of me. His expectation is to accept myself as he's created me and to recognize that any other judgment of myself is inaccurate and has no effect whatsoever. And I can let it go. This is my part in the atonement. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. Excellent. Thank you. Yes. Margaret, thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison, for bringing me back to the moment. Well, we're a little ways past the top of the hour, so pardon the interruption there, Judy. Um, can we turn to you now, Donna, for, for remembrance of our lesson? 25? This is the first step. Interestingly enough, I, it does start to look like the first step in the last judgment here. I do not know what anything is for. Thank you, LeMoyne. From Lesson 55, Day 25, I do not know what anything is for. To me, the purpose of everything is to prove that my illusions about myself are real. It is for that purpose that I attempt to use everyone and everything. It is this that I believe the world is for. Therefore, I do not recognize its real purpose. The purpose I have given the world has led to a frightening picture of it. Let me open my mind to its real purpose by withdrawing the one I have given it and learning the truth about it. And I'm going to go to uh, chapter 5. I mean, Chapter 4, Section 5, that's on page, uh, paragraph 67 on page 69. So, paragraph 67. This is Jesus speaking. (laughs) As if we didn't know, but just in case. Your egos are trying to convince you that they are real and I am not. Because if I am real, I am no more real than you are. That knowledge, and I assure you that it is knowledge, means that Christ must come into your minds and heal them. Although I am not attacking your egos, I am working with your higher mind, whether you are asleep or awake, just as your ego does with your lower mind. I am your vigilance in this because you are too confused 
to recognize your own hope. I was not mistaken. Your minds will elect to join with mine, and together we are invincible. And from the review, one, paragraph five. The purpose of your learning is to enable you to bring the quiet with you and to heal distress and turmoil. This is not done by avoiding them and seeking a haven of isolation for yourself. You will yet learn that peace is part of you and requires only that you be there to embrace any situation in which you are. And finally, you will learn that there is no limit to where you are so that your peace is everywhere, as are you. I do not know what anything is for. We will take a moment. Day 25, I do not know what anything is for. And I have a closing prayer here, sort of, um, from a 2021 study. If I give my purpose to Jesus and Holy Spirit, my reality will be known to me. If I let God use this place called Donna, in my case, for our one purpose, moment to moment. God's will be done. Amen. Amen. Oh, that was really nice, Donna. Thank you. Donna, it was beautiful. Yes, thank you, Donna. Nicely done. Thank you, Donna. Amen. Thank you, Donna. That sentence side, this is Ida, that that sentence, the title of the lesson. I do not know what anything is for, has helped me a lot in the past to 
for some reason, the wording of that particular one, because there's a lot of them that deal with not judging, but that particular one suits me really well. It's helped me to um, avoid judging or to stop judging if I'm already doing it, which usually would be the case when I pull out that, uh, that lesson. I like it a lot. Thank you. Sweet. Thanks, Ida. Thank you. This is Donna. I would like to uh, thank Ida. Uh, she comes on and gives a frank, forthright experience, uh, uh, words to what's going on in her life, which can be troubling sometimes. And I want to, to her, let her know that her being so open like that, has, is, she's a part of the healing process that I had getting over a grievance for someone that I've had for way too many years. So I want to thank you, Ida, for your living word because it gave me life. I am complete. Thank you so much, Donna. And I really enjoy when you do the lessons. Thank you. Oh, that was a magnificent exchange. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. You're welcome. I, I think that I do not know what anything is for. I, I see, since I told you that a minute ago, that it speaks to the cosmic part of me, too, the part that feels and thinks even beyond this world and has had some uh, inspirational experiences, uh, sort of otherworldly or uh, not common experiences and things like that and that I think that there are so many things that are possible beyond what I'm thinking at this moment. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Isaac. Good morning, it's Karen. Um, just a few thoughts. I really appreciated Judy sharing when she was talking about being a little girl in Catholic school because I went to Catholic school too. And I felt, you know, the the ritual of the Mass and First Communion and the processions we had a church with basement with long hallways and um, they were like catacombs and we used to line up as little children and before the processions on the holy days and uh, there would be frankincense and it just it's just such a rich beautiful experience of holiness as a child that um i was blessed with and uh I felt like I was one of those, like Judy, I was really good. <laughs> you know, I was so, so, so good. And I just loved going to Mass with my class and all of those things. And, um, you know, when I was a little bit older but still a very young child, I was sexually abused. So the judgment came. You know, it was the flip side of all that 
it was, you know, you're going to hell, there's no hope for you, it's a mortal sin, life is over, all of that. And uh, so I just love The Course in Miracles, the reframing of what is the last judgment. The last judgment is nothing but sorting of the truth from the falsehood. And um, I just want to say thank you because I'm just feeling so grateful for this spiritual family that's called just sitting in the Holy Spirit every morning and uh, being spoon-fed the truth in a shelter of God's love. And I'm just so, so grateful. Thank you. I'm complete. That was Karen. That was a real gift, Karen. Thank you. It's so great to hear. Oh, go ahead. I just want to say ditto that. I really appreciate. I really appreciate what she said and identify with it. Thank you, Ida. Oh, you're welcome. I was just going to say, Karen. I'm really sorry that you were abused, but I'm really glad that you had that wonderful experience when you were a young child. But I've heard so many people in recent years say they had bad experiences in the Catholic Church. That's really, and and I don't judge them for that. But I, it's really refreshing to hear someone who had a good experience. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, it's Robin Marie, and it's interesting to me to try to figure out or hear about other people's backgrounds. I was raised in a family that just believes they told me love is the most important thing i never went to church <laughs> and uh and i was a happy little girl and i didn't have any of those concepts of judgment whatsoever and then when i was 24 i experienced a baptism in the holy spirit i was with a group of people and suddenly i was filled with this kind of like honey honey liquid light that went through my whole body and I became a member of a church and then I started having to discern what was real and what was true and what I really wanted to believe and what someone else was telling me I needed to believe. And I I just really appreciate the Course of Miracles because it is true. Um, and thank you for listening. No, thanks for sharing thank that, you. Robin Marie. Thanks, Robin Marie. Thank you, Robin Marie, for sharing your background, too. It's just beautiful to know you more. Thank you. It's sweet to get to know you, all of you, too. I remember as a little girl walking past where the Catholic Church was, and there was a fence. And one day, some kids who were dressed in uniform started throwing rocks at me because they called me a little rich girl because my mom ironed my clothes, gave me socks, you know, really sweet little socks. And then I had a friend who was Catholic, and she said, uh, you know, if you take the communion, or if you don't take it and you put it in your purse, it turns into blood. <laughs> it's just the oddest thought. But as a grown woman, when 
I went through a divorce, I went to the Catholic Church in the morning for communion. And the pastor there, the preacher there, or priest, I guess, uh, at one point noticed that I didn't take the wafer at the right time. And so he called me into the back and he said, you know, I don't think you're really a Catholic, are you? And I said, no, I'm not. I, you know, I've taken communion in many different ways, uh, breaking a, off a piece of the bread from a loaf, you know, wafer, whatever, in other churches. And he said, well, you cannot take it here, but if you wouldn't mind, I would like to put my hand on your head and bless you. And I said, sure, <laughs> that will be great. I just need to come to, you know, I need to come to Mass every morning for a little while because I'm really suffering. So he let me do that, and I was very, very thankful that he did. So that's my little Catholic story. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. This is Ida. I was raised a Lutheran, and um, it was very funny because my parents were from, from Palestine. So you would think, you know, perhaps that the juxtaposition of the Arabic people with the Germanic people and, you know, that kind of part of the world would be weird, but it wasn't weird. They were very happy to have people from, quote-unquote, the Holy Land um, at their church and, you know, raised in that church and everything. But I, by the time I was 11, I found like a New Age type of teaching more new age and not the hellfire and brimstone that I embraced at the same time I was being taken to the Lutheran church and there was some of those concepts there. So I was sort of, um, as I've been a lot in my life uh, in the past, one foot in one world and one foot in the other world. I was afraid to talk about the new age teachings because I was afraid somehow I would be punished for that. So I didn't really, except perhaps people in my family. That's great that I could tell them. But um, but that's kind of how it went for a while. And I, I, I married a man who went to a, a, a Protestant church, Presbyterian, so went to that for a while. But, but, you know, the pastor was pretty tolerant, and I was in the choir and all that stuff. So I had some good times there, you know. I did, and there were some good people that helped me. Like they came and and saw me after I had my baby, and they, these women they gave me all this wonderful homemade food, and that's a great memory that I'll never forget. So I have good memories too. Thanks. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Can I say something? There's uh, a line in the reading today that says, um, when everything he retains is lovable. And that's what everyone is sharing, some beautiful things. Thank you, Ada. Sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Karen. I have, um, okay. Just really 
like to focus back on the text and what um, further illumination I can get from it. Um, it talks about judgment being brought into being because of the separation. And throughout the text, it refers to this this dream world that we're living into. It's it's ego's illusion um, <clears throat> through the dream of judgment upon the world that makes it into what it is because the ego wants to control reality. And, you know, that that idea that we're, we've made an image of ourselves in the body and the world arose to validate our experience of ourselves as we wanted to be, which was not the way God created us to be. So that's, that's a little bit of a, a, a nudge to see the world as um, uh, the purpose of the world being to be free of that judgment upon it that if I don't judge myself or don't judge the world according to the way the ego's perspective would see it as um, coming from a place of lack that I need to seek outside of myself for imagined needs and to project guilt and sin and sickness and suffering upon it because to, to wish and will for those things is to is to put it upon the world. And, you know, the, the responsibility for sight and seeing only what is good and only what is beautiful and to deny that d- denial of the reality of, of how God created us it, it used to be a real, like, mind-bender for me. Deny the denial of truth, which is the ego's perspective upon the world. And um, learning the difference between what's true and false What's real and what's unreal is is the illusion of the way the the um, ego would perceive the world, and you know the the beauty and this meaning of the last judgment, and I think you know it's it's referred to in crossing the bridge, the transition, in my perspective from looking through the ego's eyes of of the body to looking through the eyes of Christ with the Holy Spirit's voice illuminating what my perception can be purely um, united with the mind of God. So um, this fear, you know, we have, it says, for the speed up, for the effectiveness of the speed up um, to, to experience the last judgment, wouldn't it be great if we ex- could experience the last judgment in our lifetime? I'm like, oh, down with that idea uh, to shorten time um, sufficiently that we become truly miracle-minded, which is to see us ourselves and each other as perfect as spirits in the mind of God, united in the one mind of God, um, and that... Um, this idea of punishment, that the ego believes in conflict, and conflict and fear arises from conflict, that if I practice peace, that peace is the goal of the course, I practice peace every minute of the day. If my peace is disturbed, I do a holy rolling instant, and I, st- I, I say, restore me 
from this conflict, I, I'm in conflict. I, I'm seeing through the eyes of the ego, and, and I'm, I'm mistaken a mistaken reality for something I would superimpose on it. This is not how God would have me see. This is not how God would have me think. Um, and the difference between that being my free will and having an imprisoned will, which just looks through the eyes of the body and sees and operates from a separate finite mind. So being truly miracle-minded is coming flashing brightly out of this reading today and um, being free from fear myself that I am aware of what makes me afraid what, what disturbs my peace um, my sense of, of, of being able to love somebody when, I, when I'm unable to love a situation because I'm afraid it's frightening me and I'm in conflict, and all of a sudden, my will is in conflict with God's. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm afraid. I get angry. I project guilt onto, onto bodies because of what they're saying or doing. You know, the, the perception of the body as others being the body. I can't hate or be afraid unless I'm perceiving myself as a body or through the body. So it's just, it's all in here, in this one little piece that we've read. Um, and to be a free mind, the first step towards freedom must entail sorting out the false from the true, that to have a free mind, that I decide I am not willing to suffer anymore. I'm not willing to give up my happy, my joyousness, my peace, that's God's will for me, I am not going to give that up. And um, any, any suffering is simply false and not true. And I need to recognize myself when I'm, my, my peace is disturbed. Um, to have peace, I have to deserve peace. And I'm the only one that can disturb it. And not to blame and project it on, on stuff outside of me in the world. It's not what the world's purpose is. The Holy Spirit's taught me the, whole, the purpose of the world is to, to help free me from the idea that I'm, I'm, I'm in it and of it. I'm in it, but I am not of it. I am spirit. I'm purely mind. And um, nothing in the world can shake my peace unless I give it the power to do so. Amen. I am complete. Hallelujah. <laughs> that was a nice survey, Judy. Thank you. Great honor. Thank you. I went back to the lesson as well. Paragraph 107. If a sufficient number of people become truly miracle-minded quickly, the shortening process can be almost immeasurable. That struck me when we read it. And um, I was... I asked the question, uh, yeah, well, how do we roll up all that other, this junk we're trying to walk through uh, quickly? And a scripture, a story in the Bible came to me. So if we would just look at everything the ego offers, all of its arguments, all of its judgment, 
all of its past inflictions upon our life and understand that is the pillar of salt. And every time we look back on it, we uh, put ourselves back into the situation that Lot's wife put God. She looked back. She was told, do not look back. They were all told. And uh, she was the one who looked back and, and they had to leave her behind because she was a pillar of salt. I'm complete. Thank you, Donna. Um, yes, thank you, Donna. I, I was just thinking of that in a different way. I'm out at the ocean before I go to work, and I take a few pictures for my friend who's in Reno and my son and, you know, a few of my family members. But I love the way... I think it was Diana said, holy rolling, inst- holy rolling instant. I'm like, the waves, yeah, it's just like the waves. Like if you're starting to to have a, a, a thought that is unpleasant, just remember that the Holy Spirit is right there to help you, bring you right out of that. Thank you. Have a good day, everybody. You too, Robert. Thanks, Robin. Hi, it's Karen again. A um, couple things. One was I also hi- highlighted that paragraph um, that when a sufficient number of people become truly miracle-minded, the shortening process can be almost immeasurable. I don't know if everyone's heard, heard that story about the hundredth monkey, but a monkey decided to wash its potato and he felt like oh, it just tastes so much better. And then they were on an island and a few of his friends started washing potatoes because they saw him and it made everybody start doing it on one side of the island. But when they hit that hundredth monkey, the whole island automatically knew to wash the potatoes. The people, the monkeys on the other side of the island who had never even seen it, but they got it. And that's what came to me when we read that paragraph so it's just a a beautiful you know when enough people turn their minds to love and make the judgment to choose only love it it will go through the whole christ sonship so that's a goal anyway um i also wanted to add something else um i was talking yesterday about how the ego story keeps projecting on the present moment and um so someone called me a friend called me in 30 years i've been friends with this person he's a acupuncturist but we studied polarity together 30 years ago and we did body work together 30 years ago and um he he contacted me because he's back from a vacation and i can go to treatments with him again and it's covered by insurance and it's like this this fear arose of, well, maybe I shouldn't do this because I'm safe right now. Everything's going okay, and the course feels really strong to me right now. And if I, um, if I do anything, it might, I might mess it up. <laughs> and it's childhood being projected. And if I'm not really super careful, I might make a mistake. And it'll ruin everything and not get hurt. Anyway, I was just, I was just, you know, I'm aware that it's just a, 
a programmed fear that I project everywhere all the time. I'm complete. Thank you for letting me share that. That was phenomenal awareness, Karen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Karen. I I'm going to do the thing from paragraph 5 of the lesson 25. It says, uh, It is crucial to your learning to be willing to give up the goals you have established for everything. The recognition that they, these goals, are meaningless rather than what we call good or what we call bad. The recognition that they are meaningless is the only way to accomplish this giving up of the goal. The idea for today is a step in this direction. I do not know what it is for. And I think I think this uh, I'm getting a I'm getting a kind of a clear hit or a download about this thing of seeking the goal of seeking God that makes or the truth or anything like that it it may it uh, reinforces the uh, the separation to need to seek it and. Really, was it's that judgment that is based on the separation there that we have to be separate, have somehow find the truth is uh, is the, it 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 kind of like prevents it from quite ever happening, and that the recognition that with that is as a purpose to find something that's already here um, we're just going to think into further into illusion and end up in a state where we really truly do not know what anything is for um, and uh, yeah miss the point that uh, is in is in uh, like for example what is the last judgment you who believe that God's last judgment would condemn the world to hell along with you accept this holy truth God's judgment the gift of the correction he bestowed on all your error freeing you from them and all effects they ever seem to have to fear God's saving grace is but to fear complete release from suffering, return to peace, security, and happiness, and union with your own identity. Amen. So God's final judgment is as merciful as every step in his appointed plan to bless his son's 
and call him to return to the eternal feet he shares with him. Be not afraid of love, for it alone can heal all sorrow, wipe away all tears, and gently waken from a dream of pain the son whom God acknowledges as his. Be not afraid of this. Salvation asks you give it welcome, and the world awaits your glad acceptance which will set it free. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thanks, Lemoyne. I um, was thinking about what Donna said about the light, light being understanding. And um, that was always something that I held close to my heart for a long time. And, and, and um, that peace comes only with understanding. And that, that, that in... Um, in my moments of contemplation really helped settle me down and be still um, when I wasn't, you know, when I was afraid um, and, 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 and really willing, willingly being able to look at fear as being, you know, what the Course would call dark, you know, and, but to, not to be afraid of fear and face it, you know, and um, someone used the acronym recently, um, fear, what is it, evidence, false evidence appearing real, and, you know, sorting out the truth from the false, that what appears or what seems to be um, happening in the world um, is, is actually image-making, from the egoic source of mind, which is a collective consciousness that has made a collective conscious world appear and seem to be the thing that we exist in. And the Course teaches us this is what is not real does not exist. Now, that's not to say this world as, as it is in truth does not exist. The world and we do exist, but not in the way that we think we do. And the Course says it all the time. And that used to really sort of confuse me. It's not the way I think it is. It's not the way that my my uh, perception would tell me it is. So I've got a mistaken uh, perception of the world through a mistaken self sense of self a concept of self. And the whole, um, you know, that I'm guilty, that, I, that we all have this guilt and this shame for this collective hate and greed and suffering that we've per- pepper, you know, per- perpetrated on each other. And God says, no, this, none of this is real. We can't hurt one another. We never have been able to hurt one another. We can't kill ourselves. We cannot be destroyed. It's not the way God created us. So 
I've learned to look at my anger and my guilt as a collective one and um, recognize that a lot of the conditioning of my thinking in the world and wanting to blame and hold others responsible and give um, or invest in the value of judging it, you know, this is how I remove the, 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 the value of my judging it from it in its totality because I simply cannot judge something that I don't understand. And to look upon insanity was one of the greatest keys for me. The Holy Spirit and, and, and Christ in the text says, don't try to understand it. It's beyond your understanding. You don't have to. Your understanding does not contribute anything to it. Your lack of understanding or your understanding. All you've got to do is have trust in love and have faith in what I'm telling you the means for escaping it are. So, ergo, here I go again another day. But I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. And I really do, I really do um, believe in heaven and that I can carry heaven with me wherever I go and hopefully bring, bring it to the world and all my, all my beloveds, too. Thank you. I'm complete. Thanks, Jude. Thanks, Jude. This is Sandra, and um, the meaning of the last judgment has so much to do with my the necessity to not know what anything is for, <laughs> because the ego thinks it knows what everything is for, and um, because it because the ego wants to be right and thinks it knows what everything is for, that's, and, and the ego was created. I created the ego because I was frightened as I forgot my connection with my source and, um, and thought I had to start judging everything in order to keep myself safe. So that was an innocent mistake and because it was innocent and God knows how innocent I am and you are and we are. <clears throat> Excuse me, God gave me the Holy Spirit, gave us the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> so that we could turn all those judgments over and ask to be shown the truth. Well, I've been doing that for the past, <clears throat> I would say, maybe nine years, eight years, where I'm, I'm, I'm using the Holy Spirit diligently and, keeps, and I keep turning things over. In the meantime, I've learned that, and my understanding is that um, that I came here on purpose, bringing the light and the love to this planet. So this is a dark planet. It's neutral. I mean, we're, I'm neutral. I'm not judging anything. So, I'm, I, but I have a mission. I came here to bring love and light, and to forgive and to free myself and to free the planet. <laughs> so if that's in fact true, and I'm here on this planet, and I think, oh, there's something wrong here. And that's where the problem is. Because 
I came here on purpose to a dark planet. If I judge this dark planet and say that there's something wrong here, then I can't do my job to bring love and light and forgiveness. Because right away, if I think there's something wrong, there's the big judgment. So understanding that there's nothing wrong here. This planet is full of anger, rage, war, rape, abuse, pain, suffering. But I don't have to judge that. That's just part of what's here. I'm here to transmute that. But if, again, if I judge it as being wrong or bad, that there's something wrong and I need to fix it, I don't need to you fix it. I just need to fix it. beautiful little bug of loving to see this world. Thank you, little crown swimming. Anyway, I don't need to fix it. I just need to bring light to it and love to it. I don't need to judge it. Before I can bring love and light to it, I have to understand that I don't really know what anything is for. And when I take that stance, then I'm not capable of judging. I've got to turn it over to something greater than myself and ask for guidance. And, and know that whatever is going on here is an opportunity for a miracle. So if I take on that attitude that, oh, this doesn't look good, I'm about to judge this as something's wrong. Instead, take that feeling and know that that is the entrance point to a miracle. That's where the miracle is going to happen, as long as I don't judge what's happening as being something wrong or bad. There's a miracle about to happen when I feel that discomfort, when that sensing of, ooh, this isn't right, there's something. That's the opportunity for the miracle, not to go into victim, because my pattern has been to go into victim and think there's something wrong here and I'm being victimized. That just totally aborts the whole, whole process. I don't want to abort the process. I want to be successful in bringing light and love to this planet. But when the shit hits the fan, all I have to know is that there's a miracle about to happen as long as I don't judge anything and trust my relationship with my creator that there's a miracle about to happen. Why? Because of who I truly am and who you truly are and who we truly are. I'm complete. Sandra, that was really phenomenal. Thank you very Beautiful. much. Thank you. Sandra, that was phenomenal. I wrote most of it down because everything you were saying was so true for what I feel also. Thank you. Sometimes the miracle doesn't happen right away, and that's where all that faith and trust is really required. 
and keeping the attitude, oh, yeah, the miracle's coming. I don't know what it's going to be, but the miracle's coming. I just know it. And that has really helped me get through um, the past few days of traveling with my little puppy. I'm down in Florida with family, and um, miracles are happening everywhere. I'm complete. <laughs> That's beautiful. I'm so glad to hear that. And Patricia here. Your stories have, have evoked a beautiful um, what I experience as last judgment. It's when just new things are revealed. <clears throat> um, and the new reveal is uh, I've tended to be a personality that's, if I erred, I erred on the side of saying, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, you know, I... Uh, we don't really know what the meaning of the day is, so far I'll vote for anything, any what, anything you want to do. <laughs> and I had uh, times in my life you're giving me a great life review because the last judgment does that to me. It shows me the past in a brand new reveal. And there's a big shakeup that happened. You're distilling the power of it perfection of being the one who thought, well, I'll just, I'll be the angel that is the love that says, whatever you choose. And then God told me very harshly, actually, I came about because I'm stubborn, is that Patricia, do not confuse having a preference. I made you, honey. Very unique. Please, it's time now. You know you're not the victim. You know you don't need to understand why. But please, start having preferences. (laughs) So I'll be darned if it didn't happen when I was 18 years old. Finally, that outer world yelled and my parents said, we're getting you a car. You've got to get a license and drive. You know, which, okay, so I, I get a car. But the first thing I do, and um, uh, let me summarize. Okay, I may have told this story before, because this preference suddenly I have a ton of power. A car. What am I going to do? Well, I decide the one thing I do not want to do is become an adult. And it was an absolute no. So then I could go to God and say, okay, I got something really stubborn. (laughs) I got a judgment that says no. (laughs) So I set about with my car and my girlfriend to start to visit all the different churches in the Riverside County in Southern California. And we did that on our own, sneaking around, actually. What did it tell us? that fear was guiding me to keep it a secret, that I would go off on the weekends and visit churches with my friend and come home. But then the other thing happened. One day I walked into a Catholic church. I did not know what it meant. I got the privilege of 
seeing a mother god uh, and touching water. Oh, my goodness. I did not know what anything meant. Oh, but the smell and how ancient and slow-moving. Oh, my gosh. So then... Fridays after school, instead of sneaking out with boyfriends and stuff like that, fear also guided me not knowing what I do, but doing, doing. What I would seek to learn catechism, learn from a priest two hours every Friday after school. And I lied. This Patricia kept it a secret from everybody. I had no idea why. But then, this is a true story which has living witnesses. The day came. I sat at my dinner table and needed to tell my parents. I had decided to befriended someone and I needed uh, baptismal papers. I decided to become... A Catholic. I do not know the reason here. Time, as we read in this chapter, speeded up so fast. What had been buried for 50 years in one evening was liberated. I had no idea. My father left the table and got drunk and was gone for a long time. My mother took me to her room and showed me she had baptized me Catholic when I was born in the war. She was alone. And here was a story. My father was kicked out of that church when he tried to marry my mother. And my father's Anger and refusal said, nobody's going to make me contract my kids to be told what to do by... No, 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 no. So they all kicked him out of town. He came back and eloped with my mother with one promise. She would bury everything Catholic forever. No one in the family, anyone would ever, ever get close to even knowing what the word meant. And suddenly her, his 18-year-old daughter is saying, what? And the mother of that daughter is confessing something so sacred she had buried down in the bottom drawer, an old piece of paper where she was already baptized. Well, It came out. She came out of the closet, and it was the most beautiful thing ever. We moved on, of course, but all your reminders now of amazing stories of nothing that will stop us when we don't need to know the reason, but we can have a preference. Thank you. That was beautiful, Patricia. Thank you for that.
That was beautiful. Thank you, Patricia. I have, um, you know, just the the idea that I can be restored to the awareness of how I am as God created me is the most naturally easy and joyful and loving way to be. And just being that, that is what I am. And it doesn't take a body. It doesn't take anybody but but my knowing myself, the truth of myself as I am. And it's not dependent on anything other than my my knowing knowing the truth of who and what I am. And the beauty of that is that you reminded me of in your story is that you found that out for yourself too. <laughs> Nobody can deny us that that privilege, that joy of being our true and natural um, selves. We're free. We're, we've always been free. And no one can imprison our will to be who we were meant to be. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Jude. Thank you, Judy, and uh, thanks, Richard. <clears throat> We're again at the top of the hour. Laurie, do you have a closing you'd like to offer for the recorded portion of this call? I do, Lemoyne, and thanks for asking. I love uh, today how every one of us uh, had a reflection on the difference between judgment and truth in light of this reading that reflects the power of our choice to choose the ego thought system or the thought system of truth and the consequences that come with that. So in light of of all that, uh, we're coming up on chapter 3 where he says we've already discussed the last judgment in some, though insufficient detail, after the last judgment, there will be no more. This is symbolic only in the sense that everyone is much better off without judgment. <laughs> when the Bible says, judge not that ye be not judged, it merely means that if you judge the reality of others at all, you will be unable to avoid judging your own. The choice to judge in the ego thought system rather than to know in the thought system of truth was the cause of the loss of peace. Judgment is the process on which perception but not cognition rests. We've discussed this before in terms of the selectivity of perception pointing out that evaluation is its obvious prerequisite. You have no idea of the tremendous release and deep peace that comes from meeting yourselves and your brothers totally without judgment. When you recognize what you and your brothers are, you will realize that judging them in any way is without meaning. In fact, their meaning is lost to you precisely because you are judging them. All uncertainty comes from the totally false belief that you're under the coercion of judgment. You do not need judgment to organize your life. And you certainly do not need it to organize yourselves. 
In the presence of knowledge, all judgment is automatically suspended. And this is the process which enables recognition to replace perception. The beauty of this call is the recognition that we give to each other of truth. And for that, I'm so grateful. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, everybody. Great call. Thanks, Lori. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Lori. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Lori. Great call. Really great call. Thank you. Mm -hmm.